When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you 24-7, with supplies and solutions for every industry, and access to product specialists ready to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It's Thursday, July 23rd, and that means we're only four days away from everyone reporting to Bears camp in Hallis Hall. I'm your host, Waldewitt, and I'm very excited that you're joining us for another fun preview episode as we continue and about wrap up our Countdown to Camp series. With only two positions left, it's time to take a look at the Bears' passing game, and today's focus is going to be all about the Bears' wide receivers. Here with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. Nick, I know it's been only a couple of days since we last recorded, but I just want to let you know it's starting to feel like football season. I'm starting to get that itch more and more with each passing day. Don't know if it's just because I had my first coaches meeting for my middle school team that I'll be coaching this year, yesterday afternoon or what, but I'm just excited for it to be back to this point of the year, right on the cusp of football season. Are you starting to feel that too? Yeah, absolutely. I think we have what professional sports starting to come back again. There's some sports being brought back into to life, really. So it's been nice to have that. And I'm like I said earlier, before we jumped on live here, well, I'm excited to hear these updates with you and your coaching gig to see how you guys are doing with your football season. So you definitely have to keep me updated with that. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone on the, who's listening, maybe not everyone, but there's going to be people listening who want to find out, Will, as the offensive coordinator, how this is going to work out. And I was telling you, uh, here in town, seventh grade is the first point of football for a lot of these kids here. Now, Pop Warner Leagues, there are a couple smaller flag leagues, but it'll be interesting to see who kind of shows up to practice next week. First practice is Monday, and uh, we'll have some updates as we go about it. But I know you were working towards getting revved up for your, uh, I think you have a 10K coming up for the Big Ten and working on your cardio. Uh, you thought you got stung by a bee, but we were doing some investigation before we went live and instead of doing our normal back and forth, getting ready for the show. Uh, I kind of got you set straight and I'm pretty sure you got stung by a wasp now, right? Yeah, that's definitely what it was. And it just happened so fast. Like I had never been stung by a wasp before. And when I felt it on my lower thigh, I'm like, 
oh man, there's a sharp pain. What is this? I see the little sucker running away or flying away. And, um, and it looked like I'm like cramping up, but it's just really me being stung. And then it eventually wore off. But yeah, one, like I told you earlier, Will, it's like I wasn't running fast enough to avoid this wasp. And two, I also realized that I'm just not conditioned or ready for this big 10 virtual 10 K on Sunday. Now we have to find out what type of wasp it was, but unfortunately for you, you still don't know if you're allergic or not to, to being stung to bees because you thought, hey, okay, I'm good. And I was like, doesn't sound like a bee based off how you express <laughs> We went through some photos, but obviously we have a lot to talk about. We do have some wide receivers, uh, plenty to get through today, but a couple hours ago, some news hit that the Bears did make a cut, and that is Ben Broniker. We talked about him on our last podcast, and of course, neither of us had him making the final roster for the Bears in that tight end group. Don't need to rehash it, but really all I wanted to say is our Holtz and Horstead position battle that we were so jazzed for, it looks like it's going to be a full go, and it's going to be even more important now uh, with Broniker kind of out of the picture. Um, on top of that, uh, there are some fans who have been wondering, like, why not Adam Shaheen? Why, why is he still around? And I think that's a very valid question. Uh, my caveat, my thought process, and Nick, just want to get your thoughts real quick. It's just kind of like Kevin White's final year here in Chicago. Adam Shaheen was a high draft pick for Ryan Pace. It's really hard for him to just cut a tie before they actually get to practice. And just like Kevin White, I think Pace is just going to give Shaheen an opportunity in camp, every opportunity to at least try to get in front of this, to try to prove himself. And don't think he's going to show enough, but I just don't think now's the time for Pace to... It's. I think we understand he should give up on it, but I think just his prideful self, he's going to allow Shaheen to have a camp to at least give it a go. Yeah, that's my thoughts exactly there, Will, with why Adam Shaheen wasn't the one cut and not a Ben Broniker. Uh, I saw some fans saying, well, Ben Broniker is even better than Adam Shaheen, and you're arguably right there. But yeah, I think it is just a pride thing when you invest in a second-round draft pick. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. And a guy, and obviously at, at, at this point in time, it has not worked, and it looks like inevitable that Adam Shaheen will be cut, but you have to at least play it out and see and make sure that you are right on this this thought that you have. But I think it is going to happen at some point in time. There are, like we were saying just a couple days ago, there are tight ends on this roster that are going to produce, that have, you know, capabilities to make an impact on this offense. And that is not the same for Adam Shaheen. But yeah, just give it some time, I would say. Yeah, and honestly, the fact that they cut ways with Broniker now, I think he's elated uh, just because now he'll have an opportunity as teams are starting their camps. He'll be able to land somewhere and have enough time to pick up their offense because I think Ben Broniker, he's he has that talent to be on a roster here in the NFL. So it gives him an opportunity as well. So I think it's a really good professional move on both parties to kind of do it now. But Nick, uh, that's tight ends. That was a couple, That was last episode. We have wide receivers to talk about. And like I said, I'm very excited uh, to kind of get into this group. It's always fun when you start really diving into the passing game, of course, of uh, this offense, uh, especially as we're looking to improve from 2019, of course. But are you ready to kind of jump in and share our 2020 wideout preview? Let's do it. 
All right, uh, let's go ahead and begin at the top with Tier 1. And, of course, we have to begin with Allen Robinson. And despite the offensive woes last season, Robinson, he did post a career-high 98 catches. He also improved his scoring production with seven touchdowns, which was the most he had since that big 2015 season. Robinson was coming in clutch throughout the entire season. We all saw it some big-time catches. And even though the offense as a unit struggled, it was Robinson who was that epitome of consistency. And I know personally, I hope he finds himself with a long-term deal here in Chicago. He's one of those guys that I want to see here for quite a long time. But Nick, there's just so much that Allen Robinson does well. We can have a whole podcast dedicated to that. But it's been about seven months since we saw him in action. Do you want to help me remind some folks of what Robinson brings to the table as a, I'll call it, a number one wide receiver here in the NFL? Oh, yeah, there's no doubt that he is a number one wide receiver and one of the better ones that just doesn't get credit or recognition for what he does well. And that's a lot of things, Will. And one of the things you can look at is his success rate against man coverage. Last season, he had a 79.3% success rate versus man coverage, which it puts him in the 98th percentile which obviously is very good. And he also had in press coverage, which I think is where Allen Robinson's at his best because of how he's able to beat cornerbacks right off the line of scrimmage and then get open. He had an 83.7% success rate there, 97th percentile of wide receivers. And according to PFF, Will, since 2018, Robinson has 23 catches beyond 20-plus yards, which is the fifth most in the NFL. And he has zero drops with that. So that's just some of the things that Allen Robinson does really well. But look at his route running, his body control, his his ability to adjust on bad bad balls from Mitch Trubisky. He makes a quarterback's job so much easier. And I was able to feel Yates talked about Allen Robinson a couple of days ago and said he is a star and absolutely is a star if he just had good quarterback, consistent good quarterback play, imagine the numbers that Allen Robinson would actually put up. It would be, he would be recognized, I think, if he had decent quarterback play, easily a top 10, top, maybe even top five, you know, just putting that out there. But that is how good he is. He just hasn't, he's had what? Blake Bortles, Mitch Trubisky. Now it could be Nick Foles. So it's not the best, obviously not the best group of quarterbacks, but he makes a quarterback's job so much easier. He sure does. Uh, You hit on a lot of things that I want to make sure we discuss when it comes to Allen Robinson. Uh, You talked about the last point, though. So uh, this is what I alluded to right before we went live, that I wanted your reaction. Watching film on all these wide receivers, did you just have that same sense of like just there's so much wasted opportunity and their numbers could have looked way better? I mean, there's just so many times where you have wide receivers open that were missed, misled in any route to, you know, they put At times, Mitch did put them in harm's way. And there's just so many wasted opportunities that when I was watching this film on our wide receivers, I felt like there's just so much more potential in this unit than really that I thought at the end of the 2019 season uh, that I believe can really get on tap if we can get that consistent play that you were just mentioning. Did you have that same sense? Yeah, absolutely. Just look at the game that we went to, the Kansas City Chiefs game. Allen Robinson is wide open down the left sideline. Mitch Trubisky misses the wide open throw. He ended with seven touchdowns. That easily could have been his eighth one. And there's so many other throws. There's So one that really, I don't know, made me angry with Mitch and the Allen Robinson connection, it was a simple slant route. No pressure in front of Mitch Trubisky's face. Allen Robinson wins off the route. I think it's Tremont Williams is in coverage as the nickel cornerback. 
and the ball just ends up in the dirt. That's easily a catch for Allen Robinson, easily a first down. The offense stays on the field. But like you said, there were so many plays that were just missed because of missed throws, just Mitch not looking the right way, or maybe the line fails him at times. But these wide receivers are definitely capable of producing a lot more stats in this this season if they, one, have decent quarterback play and a decent offensive line. Now, getting back to Robinson, though, uh, some items that I wanted to bring up in terms of some positives, what he does well. And in many ways, Allen Robinson is a complete wide receiver here uh, in the NFL. But all starts with his awareness. I mean, he's ultra smart. Uh, Whether, you know, if he's not uh, having man coverage in front of him, something you'll notice consistently is his ability to find that grass, to find those open pockets in the zone and to present himself to the quarterback to make some really easy throws. He saw that a lot last year. He just run right into the middle of the field turn around, hitch to the quarterback, put his hands up, I'm open, give me the ball. Mr. Consistency in that regard. But if he is on man coverage, number one, he has a great get off off the snap. He can get in front of anyone in a heartbeat. Secondly, uh, that route running, whether of his patience or otherwise known as pacing of the speed of his route. Uh, he just does that so well, so savvy in that regard. It really allows him to get some good windows um, when he is running those routes and earn some of that separation. But if he's still contested, he has the hands. He has the body control to make some of those really tough contested catches. So he knows how to get open. He knows how to get some good windows. But when all fails and he still has a really good corner on him, a DB on him that is kind of in blanket coverage, you can still throw to Allen Robinson. You can still make those tough throws, and he'll come down with the catch just due to the, all of the skill set that he just kind of provides. But there's just so much about Allen Robinson. I just want to make sure we do take a moment to appreciate him because – the Bears haven't given him a contract yet. They're not showing the love. They're not showing their appreciation. And I know this is, we're getting to the point, I think Tristan here in the chat mentioned it. We're getting to the point where Ryan Pace tends to make some of these extensions. And I hope it happens because we've seen it with Whitehair in the past. We saw it with Eddie Goldman in the past. And I think Allen Robinson is deserving. But as of right now, unfortunately, is going to be a contract year. And I know he wants a long-term deal. He's been talking about it all offseason long. But say he has to play in a contract year, Nick. Say he doesn't get that long-term deal before the season begins. He's another year healthy removed from that knee injury. I think we saw a big uptick in him from 2018 to 2019. If he has to play with money on the line, do you just expect him to take it to another level? Because how he's been talking and how we saw his trajectory kind of go over the last two seasons – I think there's still more uh, potential to untap here with Allen Robinson. Uh, Even if he gets paid, I'm not envisioning him taking a step back. But if there is money on the line, he has a lot more motivation to play for because given his age, given where he's at in his career, this is the point for him to get that one big contract, one big more contract before it's all said and done. How about you? What are your thoughts if he has to play on a contract year? Yeah, I think you're just going to see an even better Allen Robinson. And he was he was the Bears offense last season. If he has to, unfortunately, go through a contract year where the Bears just don't extend him, and I'll, I'll touch on that in a second here, I think you just do, like you said, Will, see him even more. Look, Allen Robinson is a motivated guy. Not to say that he wasn't motivated if he doesn't get a contract, but you just see there's a little bit added incentive there. Let me go out, ball out this year, regardless of who my quarterback is, put up, you know, top wide receiver stats, and then you're going to get paid. Someone's going to pay him. If the Bears are foolish enough not to, then that's on them. But you mentioned it, Will. The Bears have had, um, in the past, times where they have extended 
some of their key players. A lot of the guys, they do come in that September range. You look at Cody Whitehair. He was signed an extension in September right before the season started. Kyle Long in 2016. That was extended on September 3rd. Akeem Hicks, September 9th. Eddie Goldman, September 7th. I'm thinking that maybe the Bears are just waiting around that September time frame because that's what they've done in the past. So I know when the news came out that the Bears and or that Allen Robinson and his agent didn't hear anything from the Bears about an extension. So a lot of people were obviously angry and maybe over over exaggerating a little bit to it. Let's wait. Let's let this training camp play out. Let's see that first week of September if the Bears are smart and actually give Allen Robinson the extension he needs. Because you take we'll we'll probably get into this later, Will, but if you take him out of this wide receiver room. I, I would like to see where our confidence meter in this group would go, but he is definitely deserving of it. But let's give it till that first week of September to see if the Bears actually do extend him. Okay, remember this. Let's do a confidence meter with and without Allen Robinson because that dude deserves to get paid. And I think we should know like what life would be like without Allen Robinson. That's an interesting thought process, a thought exercise, but definitely one I don't want to live out in reality whatsoever because he is such a vocal and vital part of this Bears offense. And looking at what he did last year, I mean, he had 150 targets, which was the second most in the entire NFL behind Michael Thomas. It's also 65 more than any other wide receiver had on the on the entire team. Now, obviously, I believe, at least, I don't know why I said obviously. People don't know what I believe. I'm on this podcast to tell them what I'm thinking. But I believe that it's the Bears' best interest, though, in 2020 for the offense to not have to go through Allen Robinson that much. He doesn't need 150 targets. Last year, we needed it. But it's the Bears' best interest for that not to be the case here in 2020. Nick, would you agree or disagree? Because I want him to get his touches. I believe, I, but I do, I do believe that we can find other options and some other outlets for whoever's playing quarterback. And on top of that, I think Robinson's production can still remain high. I think if you find other ways to spread the ball and you have other vital playmakers, you can still get him those looks, maybe not 150 targets, but he can still be perhaps even more impactful on less touches. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. I think you could be more efficient. You look at the targets, 154, the 98 receptions, 1,147 yards, but you look at the average, 11.7. I think he's just being targeted so much because, one, maybe that's the only guy that Mitch could really trust, but there are times where maybe they're forced, where you shouldn't be throwing that ball, even though Allen Robinson, 50-50 ball, I want that ball going to Allen Robinson because of just the history he has of coming down with that football, but... You would like to see it be a little bit more efficient, just maybe even more yards per catch in terms of instead of having the volume of targets and receptions, just get more productive, more efficient in that manner. And you're spraying the ball out a little bit. If Allen Robinson's taking maybe the he's getting double covered with the corner and safety cheating that side, that could lead to other guys getting the football as well. So he doesn't have I look like you. I don't want to see 154 targets. He's. Look, Michael Thomas gets that. That's fine for for their offense. And the Bears, like you said, that's probably what they need to do because no one else is really stepping up at any point in the season. But this season, there are playmakers. You can spread the ball out, and I think that would be the best thing for this offense. Right, exactly. I mean, I mean, I'm, we don't do a Saints podcast, but I don't think – Saints fans, or they don't want everything to have to go through Michael Thomas. He's a great wide receiver in his own right, but you need other options. You need different outlets. And the same thing is definitely here true in Chicago. But 
Are there any specific, specific ways when you look back at 2019 that you want the Bears to maybe do differently in how to utilize Robinson or anything they did well that you want to see come back? Uh, for me, I see him a lot in the slot last year, but I thought worked really well. Uh, gave him a lot of good space to work with. Uh, gave him a lot of uh, horizontal space to do uh, get some separation with as well. But I already kind of mentioned it. If they're playing a zone coverage and you have Allen Robinson in a slot, you can carve up a defense. He's just really good at reading a coverage, knowing where that open pocket is going to be. And in the NFL, you know, receivers, especially with Robinson's caliber, he's going to have free reign to know like, hey, I got like three or four different options here based off the coverage. And he does a really good job of making the right decision, knowing where the open pocket is going to be. Either it's getting behind a linebacker, moving away from a safety that's playing some off-man coverage. He's just really good. And that pisses defenses off because they can't really find a way to stop it because if they adjust to one of these routes or one of these areas of the field, Robinson sees that and he knows where to go elsewhere. And there were good times when Trubisky and him had a good rapport. Trubisky made the right assessment pre-snap as well. And they're able to make some good, easy throws with Robinson in the slot. I thought a lot of good production came there, but how about you? Is there any other ways or any way specifically that you would like to see the bears utilize Allen Robinson's talent here in 2020? Yeah, so I, I mentioned the stat earlier about him making catches beyond 20-plus yards or whether that's Yak, however he gets it, and him being the having the fifth most, those 23 catches since 20, 2018 and having zero drops. The Bears didn't have – the Bears ranked last last season in explosive plays. Allen Robinson has proved in the two years that he's been in Chicago that he can make explosive plays and that he has zero drops while doing it. Give him the ball and those deeper routes and continue to do so. Challenge these defenses vertically to get those explosive plays that were just missing in this offense last season. Because the Bears, if the Bears' approach to any game is to just dink and dunk and get their way down the field like that, one, you're just lip, you're exposing yourself to more mistakes. When you have big plays happen, obviously those are limited. So Allen Robinson excels at making big plays give him more opportunities to do so because he's proven in the past that he can come down with that catch and make big plays happen. Yep, you hit it right. I have here my notes. My next one, if you didn't have it, don't be afraid to take the shots down the field with A-Rob. He, you mentioned uh, last year he had the third most deep targets, uh, just under uh, Kenny Galladay and Odell Beckham Jr., but he caught a higher percentage of those targets. Uh, so for me, you just don't be afraid. I mean, there were times last year when he saw Mitch hesitating and he just threw it too late or he just didn't even take the chance. And going back to one of my points earlier with his body control, his ability to make the correct adjustments on a football, he can win those one-on-one matchups. Heck, I can. I would take my chances with a double coverage downfield Allen Robinson sometimes. I would not be afraid to do that. He's just that good. Is there anything else about Allen Robinson that you want to make sure we hit on? I know we've been taking a lot of time on him, but I think it's well-deserved. And I think with how much of a role he had last year in the offense and how large the role will probably be here in 2020, it just makes a lot of sense to make sure we're really preparing people for another big year out of number 12. Yeah, the, the one last thing I want to mention about Allen Robinson isn't even on the football field. It's just off of it, what he's done for this Chicago community and just for people in general. He's exactly what the Bears want in a player who represents their franchise. His foundation just donated 30,000 protective masks to people in need of them in Chicago, and he also won the Ed Block Courage Award. So it's uh, he excels off the, er, on the field. And then also off the field, he's just a great player person he's exactly what you want 
as a franchise to have represent your organization. So that's why going back to the extension and what the Bears should do, it should be a no-brainer. It should be a no-brainer, Will. If you have someone that's that productive on the field, who's that good of a person off the field, there's just no reason not to give the man the money that he's definitely deserved in his time in Chicago. So that's just one last thing that I want to mention about Allen Robinson, and it shouldn't be overlooked. We Obviously, we see the football stats and everything he does, but it's off-the-field stuff is phenomenal as well. Absolutely. So, why give it 10, 12 days in September, and fingers crossed we, we get some good news, right? Absolutely. So we pay the man, Ryan Pace, pay him. He deserves it. Uh, one of them here in Chicago, he wants to be in Chicago. It's a perfect fit. So I'm sure it's in the works. Just get it done. All right, let's go ahead and continue by taking a look at the next player that's on my list, and that's going to be Anthony Miller, who will be entering his third year in the league. And when you look at his numbers for 2019, they were pretty similar compared to his rookie season in terms of his catch percent and his yards per catch as they were on par for the last two years. But where you see an increase of production were his catches per game. And the one glaring difference is the stark contrast in his touchdowns. He only had two scores a year ago as opposed to the seven that he put up as a rookie. Now, Nick, despite the fact that his touchdowns went down, which I think was just the offensive red zone struggles personally, uh, I do believe I saw a decent amount of growth from Anthony Miller when I was looking at his rookie film versus his second year film. Uh, He looked more comfortable and his uh, role just seemed like it expanded within the offense. That's everything that you're hoping for in a guy in his second year. But what about you? Did you see the same? Yeah, I think with Anthony Miller, it's never been really an issue if we, if he can play. You see it. He's able to beat consistently man-on-man press coverage against those nickel corners and get just open space for Mitch Trubisky to make throws. And you just see that swag, that confidence that he plays with, that Memphis grind that he's mentioned so many times. And, I mean, I really do like Anthony Miller a lot as a slot receiver and what he adds to the Bears' offense. Look, during weeks 11 through 15 – he accumulated 63% of his production. So 33 receptions, 431 yards, and those two touchdowns in five games. So you know that he can be productive. You know that he can win those one-on-one matchups. The biggest thing with Anthony Miller for me is those darn shoulder injuries. And really they haven't affected – of course, well, they have affected his in-game. He's played 15 games his rookie season, 16 games, had to leave week 17 a little early. It's after the season where he gets the surgeries and it, it kind of slows him down to begin the next season. That's why he hasn't had very good starts early on in the next season. So that's a thing, though, that I think Bears fans and just Anthony Miller himself are going to have to deal with. These surgeries have been happening, you know, even in high school going into Memphis. And he's had labral tears in, in 2017 while he's at Memphis. And he's had surgery, obviously, 2018, 2019 now. So. It's something that I think we have to just realize it's going to happen. It, it's it's probably going to be consistent, but he is a good wide He's a good slot receiver, and I think you mentioned that his role is expanding a little bit, right? I think it, it can even expand a little bit more. At Memphis, the they were putting him out wide as well. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Anthony Miller, who is primarily a slot receiver. He can go win one-on-one matchups against outside corners. He's definitely capable of that, so... Matt Nagy just needs to continue finding ways to get him those favorable matchups, and he'll make them happen himself. But the biggest thing, shoulder surgeries. How do they impact him going into that next season or even during the season where he has to wear a little harness, right? And that was affecting him as well. So that's the biggest thing with Anthony Miller. Other than that, he can ball, and I just love the swagger that he plays with. Well, yeah, I think he took 
every talking point I had for Anthony Miller and you bundled it up <laughs> in that one answer. So we'll play around with it. I can make this thing work, Nick. And let's just start with the shoulder. It's really just, it's just the elephant in the room right now. And you talked about it. I mean, injuries starting in high school with those shoulders, uh, leading through college. We saw it his first two years in Chicago uh, with the shoulder dislocation early his rookie year going through the harness, coming back, getting healthy. Took him a while to get back into his groove in 2019, hit his stride, and then he had that AC joint sprain. I think that's what they're calling it on the shoulder this time by, which also needed a surgery. On a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you in the shoulder? Or how about this? I'll change it because that's a tough question. That's a really tough question. How concerned are you on a scale of 1 to 10 in that shoulder? Because I'm probably about a 6. Uh, he doesn't miss a lot of time due to it, but it does hinder his overall potential. I think it cuts down his cap just a little bit. Are you in that same boat? Are you more concerned, less concerned? I think most Bears fans are probably more than a six. Um, so I feel like I'm being a little modest here. How about you? Yeah, it's so interesting, Will. I mean, I, I think it does limit what his potential could have been had he never had these shoulder injuries, had he not had to go through surgery after surgery after surgery. But like you said, he doesn't he doesn't actually miss a lot of games due to it. It does affect him, though. So I would have to put it probably at a 7 because I think that you're just going to keep on seeing these injuries, like I said earlier, which is unfortunate because Anthony Miller has everything you want in a slot receiver. He really does. But it just it just so happens that some players have to deal with injuries and it affects, affects them down the road. Like, I, I think we've talked about this on previous podcasts. Well, it's not like that shoulder's going to get better. Like, he's playing c- contact sport. It's not going to get better continuing to play it. So it is concerning, and it, I just wonder how much is this going to affect Anthony Miller moving forward. We've already seen it affect him, but now that he's going to go into his third season, what's that going to look like maybe midway through the season with no – there's not a lot of contact, right, with training camp. It's being limited. It's not a football. You're not really in the best of football shape. So it could be leading up to not having a full season, which would be really unfortunate for Anthony Miller. Yeah, uh, there's a really interesting website like that predicts sports injuries, which is interesting to use analytical data to do that. But I think his chances of at least missing a game is like 30 or 40 percent, which feels about right when it comes to Anthony Miller. Uh, But we're talking about it, and let's get more to the positive stuff because there's a lot to like about Anthony Miller in his game. And we talked about his role expanding. And speaking of that, I did notice that Obviously, the Bears need to replace Taylor Gabriel. Uh, that's a talking point that we'll have to get onto throughout the remainder of the show ever since we really embarked from the Allen Robinson topic. But uh, Gabriel last season, he exited after that concussion week nine. And now looking at Miller, he didn't have a game with double-digit targets while Gabriel was healthy. But as soon as Gabriel was out of the lineup, that's when Miller's targets went up drastically. He had three games in double digits over the next five weeks. And this is also part of the season where you mentioned it. He was getting into that groove and really really coming into his own a bit. So you do believe uh, with Gabriel now gone that this is what we should expect more out of Miller, something along the lines of that type of role? Uh, because in that new expanded role that came his way, I'm just curious, do you think that's his new normal? Because he's going to be the one that I'll say it, Nick, I think he's going to shoulder the load a little bit due to Gabriel being out of here. We need to replace about 7.5 targets or so per game. And Allen Robinson already had a ton that I think we need to take a little bit away from that plate too. So maybe it's more like nine, nine and a half targets a game that we need to find a way to divvy up a little bit. And I think best case scenario, Anthony Miller would be a great 
Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Great way to not take all nine, but a good chunk. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Um, Obviously, the two do play different positions. Miller playing that zebra slot receiver and then Gabriel playing the Z. But I would like to see Anthony Miller get more of those targets just in game because he does win consistently in those one-on-one matchups. And what we were saying earlier for Allen Robinson, why we don't want to see the 150-plus targets is because there are other guys that can win these one-on-one matchups. Anthony Miller is your second-best guy that can definitely do that. So, again, it, it, it helps your offense if you can attack the middle of the field and consistently win at that third – against that third nickelback position. So, yeah, I would like to see that. Um, I wonder, though, because there are a number of wide receivers we're going to talk about here, Will. And we do know about the health concerns with Anthony Miller if if they kind of limit his role a little bit. It it would be, I think, it's like two ways with this. Yes, you limit it. You don't see what he can do. But maybe you're just increasing the longevity of his career. Again, I don't know if they've ever had those talks, but – that again goes back to that shoulder concerns. Is he going to be able to stay healthy for an entire season? But to to answer your question, I agree there should be more targets for him, especially now that there isn't a Gabriel a Gabriel here. Miller is your second best option. There's no doubt about that. And it's just tough too because Gabriel did play a lot of that Z as you were mentioning that opposite outside receiver. But you, we already said it too. Miller's been highly productive and highly focused in the slot. 78% of his targets last year came inside the slot. And maybe it'll take a little bit of that away and experiment with him outside. But there's just no way I think they take away a consistent guy that he was as a slot receiver and just totally scrap it and move him outside. And I think 78% of his targets in the slots telling of where they envision him, where they peg him in his depth start. I don't really envision that changing. So I think there's some other options and we'll talk about those here soon. Um, But is there anything else that you wanted to mention when it came to Anthony Miller? Uh, One thing I wanted to bring up is he did have another issue year with the drops. Uh, He had four last year for his rookie year. I think his rookie year, we put the blame on the harness, kind of limiting his wingspan a little bit, that overall mobility. Last year, depending on the play, it seemed like quarterback error, a couple of those, but that's another issue with concentration and drops. I asked him to pick it up last year. didn't happen. I'm going to do it again. And then I want to mention a positive to kind of wrap this thing up, and that he is so good at gaining yards after the catch, uh, 4.3 yards after the catch on average last year, which was the best on the team. And it's very identical to Beckham Jr., Kenny Galladay, and it was only a half a yard away from Tyreek Hill's number of 4.8 yards after the catch a year ago, just to put it in perspective. But if the Bears can find a way to continue getting him the ball in space, getting him in stride so he can turn up field and gain those additional yards after the catch, a lot of good things should be coming, but he's very savvy at doing so, and I envision that's a kind of continue following suit here in 2020. But how about you? Anything else from Anthony Miller you wanted to mention before we move on? No, I think you hit on it. I think that's a really important stat, too, because if, you know, God forbid these these quarterbacks can't give him the ball, they can make their own plays kind of happen themselves, right? Anthony Miller being in the top category of wide receivers there to 
produce their own yards after the catch, which is great for this offense. They need every yard they can get. Yeah, and he does a good job of getting some really quick separation too. Uh, just we talked about it ever since he came out of Memphis. Really strong footwork, and uh, he sets up defenders to bite. But also, just with how strong his lower body is and how violent of some of those steps are, he can just really just explode out of some of these routes. And I want to see him get targeted uh, maybe a little bit more appropriately when as soon as he's making that break, as soon as he gets that separation, you got to get the man the ball. There's too many times where. Defenders had too much time to recover by the time that Miller saw the ball, and I want to see that change a little bit here in 2020. But let's go ahead, Nick, and let's round out the top tier. And we're going to put – we agreed on Cordero Patterson. And uh, you can talk about Ted Ginn Jr. He's up next, coming down the next tier. But Patterson works. We already talked about him once for a running back show. Let's do it again here. But uh, I don't know if there's a lot to go off of here. Patterson had 17 balls thrown his way last year. 11 receptions, 83 yards. His role was pretty small um, as a receiver a year ago. But, Nick, I believe there's only two questions that we need some insight on when it comes to Patterson. A, should we expect his receiving role to grow, uh, shrink, or maybe stay the same? And on top of that, if he is getting those looks, how can the Bears maximize his touches as a wide receiver? I have a couple of ideas, but I'm curious to yours as well. Yeah, so it's interesting with Cordero Patterson because like, he was just in our running back show. Now he's back here in the wide receiver show. So there's a lot of ways you can use him. Um, but I think a way that the New England Patriots kind of used him in 2018 as a receiver would be something that the Bears can kind of look to maybe emulate a couple of times. Um, again, there was a lot of just quick, simple passes that went to be big, big gains. You get Cordero Patterson in space. like Just what we were kind of saying for Anthony Miller, good things happen. So I think that would be a way that the Bears can possibly use Cordell Patterson and maximize his ability because as a Patriot in 2018, he caught six passes that went over 15 or more yards. So he's creating those explosive plays, like I said earlier, that the Bears just didn't have last season. Another play that I know the Patriots did and it could be implemented in every single offense is just a little rub route. Cordell Patterson was in the slot. They had the wide receiver. They kind of do a rub route, and then Cordell Patterson's kind of running a wheel down down the sideline, wide open in space, makes one cut. It's an easy touchdown, 50-plus yard touchdown. So the big thing for Cordell Patterson maybe expanding his role as a wide receiver is just getting the ball in some type of space, which the Bears were pretty reluctant in doing anyway. He had 11 receptions last season, 17 rush attempts, 185 total yards, 28 offensive touches. Just, I think just not enough for a guy that can do a little bit of everything. But like we just, like I said earlier, there's so many guys in this room now. You don't want to give them all the, all the looks, all the touches, all the, you know, the targets, but he should be getting a little bit more than what he got last season. It just wasn't enough. Yeah, and you talked about it, getting him the ball in space. I think we discussed this a lot, even as a running back. It's really identical. Again, when he's out there, you just want to get the ball in his hands. It doesn't matter if he's lining up in the backfield, lining up in a slot, lining up out wide. You just want to find easy ways to get him the ball in space and get the ball in his hands. And I thought the Bears did, they were trying to do it last year. Uh, most of his touches did come off of the screen game. Uh, rewatching every one of his, you know, whopping 11 receptions this week. Uh, that was easy to kind of gauge, but uh, a lot of his touches came that way. Uh, something the Bears offense needs to do a lot better job of, uh, especially the wide receivers on the perimeter, is blocking those bubble screens or blocking those outside wide receiver screens because they did a really terrible job last year. Too many guys one-on-one were able to lose their battles, making some really easy tackles for some DBs out there, and I thought a lot of yards were lost there. 
Um, but my favorite play out of Cordero Patterson is actually it was a play action play. Uh, he lined up kind of in line, almost like a tight end, but just off the line of scrimmage. And they did a play action to the right. Defense kind of sucked over, and he just did a little quick flare. He just kind of leaked out all nice and calm-like, and they hit him. There was no one within like seven to eight yards, and he turned that thing into a 33-yard gain because he had some space to work with. Those type of simple plays with Patterson, you can get a lot of return on investment. Finding him that space, making a defense over-pursue one way, and then hit him on the other side. And again, the screens weren't working. You didn't see a lot of downfield shots when it came to Patterson, and that's maybe another area you explore a little bit just with his speed. Uh, but unfortunately, that does have a double-edged sword because teams do tend to play off of him, which is why you try to give him those quick passes. But for me, finding more ways to use misdirection to have him line up to hide in that formation like he was almost as a tight end, which is a position we've seen people in the chat clamor about trying him out there anyway it worked <laughs> I'm not gonna lie it worked a lot so that's something I want to see more of but the screen game's gonna be a constant it's gonna be a consistent force of his touches it's just down to execution uh, there were times where like I said receivers weren't doing their job and at times that they're throwing a screen to the left a guy that Rashad Coward at right guard is supposed to block ends up making the tackle for like a one-yard gain so there's just execution problems across the board that need to be cleaned up there. But they have the playmaker in Cordero Patterson. It's just a matter of executing on those plays and continuing to give them the looks. Is there anything else? I think those are the only two options or questions I meant uh, that we needed to hit on with Patterson here. But if there's anything else, more than happy to discuss. You know, Will, I think we talked enough about Cordero Patterson. We just don't know how Matt Nagy is really going to use him this season. So I think we'll just have to wait and see what Cordell Patterson's role really is going to be for Matt Nagy in 2020. All right. Well, with that, let's go ahead and move down to the second tier. And I'm going to begin the second tier with the longest tenured bear in this section, and that's going to be Javon Wimps. Last year, he had 18 receptions, half of which, by the way, Nick, I don't know if you know, this came against Detroit. Uh, he had also 186 total yards in the season and a touchdown. So for a player that was a seventh-round pick a year prior, that's not terrible production. Um, Nick, obviously, we saw his limited whims, but a bigger role than compared to his rookie year. What did you see out of him last season that maybe perhaps gets you excited about his development track? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, and it actually just you just have to watch one game to really see it, the Week 17 matchup against the Minnesota Vikings – was really the comfortability that Matt Nagy showed with Wims on the field. Because I was doing an article about logging the stats or logging where Javon Wims was lining up as opposed to Riley Ridley. Both play a little bit different position, X and a Z. But Javon Wims, when, when Matt Nagy was just calling plays, he was in on plays when the Bears lined up in 11 personnel, 12 personnel, 20 personnel, 21 personnel. So it didn't... D depending on the personnel, you could still see Javon Wims out there as opposed to maybe a Riley Ridley who was just in his first season more comfortable seeing him in 11 personnel, a more standard three wide receiver set. But Javon Wims, you could see him as the maybe just the two wide receiver sets he's going to be in. So there's just a more there's more comfortability, like I like I just said, with Javon Wims being on the field. And I would say he's not really too versatile where in terms of where he lines up he had 93 snaps in the slot 381 out wide so he's primarily going to play that x that wide receiver but i think with javon Wims, it's interesting just how he like even though he's a lower end wide receiver he's not really a special teams guy he only played on nine percent of the special team snaps last season so 
he his main role is that X receiver spot, and that's really what he's going to play. So it's it's that or really nothing with Javon Williams. But I have seen growth in just terms of just beating the man off the line of line of scrimmage and just getting open to catch a football. Look, seventh round draft pick, obviously never guaranteed, but he has shown growth. Now this wide receiver's wide receiver room is just a little crowded. So it'll be interesting to see how everything kind of plays out with Javon Wims. Precisely. I mean, that's you hit it on. I'm great. I can even knock my next question off. So I, we, we took a lot of time on Allen Robinson. So you're doing a good job of carving a little bit of time back here, Nick, but uh, you hit on it. Uh, he does a lot of things. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to say super well, but he is, he's not a one trick pony, but he's close to it. There's not a lot you're going to get out of him. Uh, that's flashy. He's just super solid, and you can get him on some good crossing routes. You can hit him in the corner. They haven't really attempted to throw him the fade all too much, but he is a big guy. He has that basketball background, and it is something that maybe we can see his growth continuing toward here in this next season. Uh, One knock that I'm going to throw out is his hands. He needs to be more consistent with them. Uh, Like we said, not a ton of targets last year, but he did drop about 14.3% of the balls thrown his way, which was the fifth highest rate of all receivers in the NFL last year. So just being a little bit more consistent, catching those balls, and just keeping that concentration will be a big key for him as well. Because, again, you're not getting a ton of looks, and he needs to find a way to maximize his touches, the plays that are drawn up for him, or maybe if he's a second or third option and option one falls through, he needs to make sure to pick up the slack and be a reliable second to third option in any given play. So, Nick, are you responding about your mic going off? Because it did happen once, which once. wasn't bad. And I was going to ask, did you accidentally touch the power cord of the mic? But I'll just, maybe. No, maybe. yeah, I, I I don't know, but it's only happened once so far. I knock on wood right here. It's probably going to happen, like, who knows how many times. But it's been good so far. Yeah, so I'm, it's getting better. And that's okay. Uh, improvement, just like... Javon Wims over here. We're just looking for some improvement uh, from your mic, too. We can do it. We have a big 2020 ahead of us. Um, Let's go ahead and let's move on to what I'm going to call the other uh, Bulldog Bro. Uh, So the Bulldog Bros will be how you would pronounce that one. That's going to be Riley Ridley. It was a very minor rookie season for a player who was drafted in the fourth round. Only appeared in about 10% of the offensive snaps. Six catches for 69 yards in five games played. Now, obviously, Nick, not a lot to go on here. And, geez, you keep say, stealing the words in my mouth. Very crowded wide receiver room here. But luckily for Ridley, um, I thought he made the most of his looks. Only one incompletion when he was targeted a year ago. But, of course, that's a little easier with a smaller sample size. But still, I think it's something that should be noted. But when you're looking at Riley Ridley, how can he evolve here in year two? Is there anything that still gets you excited about him? Uh, we were hopeful that he would have had a bigger impact as a rookie. That didn't happen. So have your expectations maybe shifted a little bit now a year later? I wouldn't say they've shifted because, again, Riley Ridley was activated in week 13 against the Lions. So he had he didn't have, obviously, a lot of opportunities in that season where everything just went wrong with the offense. And he should have had easily one touchdown catch if Mitch Trubisky looks the way. I know I posted this on Twitter. It got like 50,000 views for it. But Riley Ridley's open, beats his man, and is able to go across the field in the back of the end zone week 17 against the Minnesota Vikings. But he came from Georgia – He was known as being a great route runner, had reliable hands, and good body control. 
And I still think he has that. We just haven't seen the opportunities for Riley really to kind of expand on those attributes that he excels at. And as the Z receiver and with obviously no Taylor Gabriel there, you're going to see an uptick in the offensive snaps and just the opportunities that Riley really just didn't get in his first season because we all got to remember Matt Nagy does have a complicated offense, probably too complicated for some of the guys on there. That's why it hasn't been as good. (laughs) But um, I think it just takes time to get acclimated to what he needs to do, where he needs to be, how to adjust in certain routes if a defense is playing a certain coverage, all these things. But I think now with that Z receiver – I would say a little bit up in the air. You're going to see more of Riley Ridley, and hopefully we're going to see a little bit more of those plays where, like you were showing this to me earlier, Will, where he's wide open, just saying, just having the recognition to say, hey, Mitch, I'm open in the middle of the field. This was against Green Bay the second time. He gets the ball, immediately gets tackled, but at least he's trying to get the quarterback's attention. Like, he's open. He's going to, I think he's going to consist, or not consistently, but he's a guy that can win one-on-one matchups as well. We just didn't get a chance to see that last season. And he wasn't just saying casually, hey, I'm open. He was jumping up and down, waving his hands. Look at me. Look at me using his vertical, getting all the way up there. And that's another route, though, Nick. If he hits that, if Mitch recognizes that a few seconds sooner, another huge play, all those lost yards there. And there's another play against Dallas where he's lined up on the left. They do a little bit of a play action. He's running a like a, an intermediate crossing route. And he's wide open. He's putting his hand up like a, like a basketball player running the pick and roll. Like, hey, I'm open. Hit me. Hit me. Hit me. And then he gets all the way to the sideline. And then Mitch wants to throw that ball and wasted all that retail, all that space that he could have had to work with. And like you said, there's other missed opportunities. So even though his production was small, his role is a little bit limited. Maybe it took him a while to kind of pick up this offense, like you said. Hopefully with another offseason to kind of get it mastered mentally. He can get on this field here, come training camp, no preseason games to work with, so he's really going to have to get the most out of practice here. Uh, But it is one where I'm hopeful he can have a bigger role, but we still have some more receivers to talk about. (laughs) It's crowded. Uh, That's going to be the theme here, and maybe he won't have those touches, and that may have an impact on Ridley's at least career early part of it here in Chicago. But is there anything else on Riley Ridley you want to mention? Again, we didn't have a lot last year, but I thought you hit on some good positives, and again, there's a few other missed opportunities that could have made his rookie year maybe a little bit more palatable to some of those Bears fans that maybe they're not completely soured on Riley Ridley, but they're a little bit more hesitant to get on board with him being a Bear than maybe they even were a year ago. Because I don't remember anyone complaining about it last year when we made the pick or all summer long, but this offseason, it's like, why is he even on the team? He's very identical to Javon Wims, which we already said, not really. But anything else about Ridley you wanted to mention? Yeah, so a big thing with wide receivers, if you're not going to get the targets, the receptions, you better be able to block. On Anthony Miller's touchdown catch against Dallas, Riley really makes a really good block to spring open Anthony Miller to kind of just walk into the end zone. I think he spins into the end zone technically, but that's what you got to be able to do if you're not going to get those targets, those receptions as the third or fourth wide receiver. You got to show some blocking ability, and that wasn't maybe the strength of Riley Ridley at Georgia. But he showed some improvement in that area. So Mike Fury, the wide receivers coach, again, just making sure that his wide receivers are ready when they're asked to do things like that. That Look, they're not the main guy in the play. They're not the one getting the football. But he played a key role in making that play successful. So that's a a play that I will remember from Riley Ridley. He doesn't get a stat for it, but I'll definitely remember it for sure. 
Hey, another good example of some of the little things that you're not going to see in the box score on the stat sheet after the year that maybe you forget about. That's a good one. You jogged my memory on that as well. And there, like I mentioned, there were some inconsistencies with blocking. I did have him not jotted down for missing one against uh, the Vikings as well on a screen route. So that one, too, is an example. Again, inconsistency. It happens. But there's some potential there for him to continue along that track. All right, so let's move on from a fourth-round pick a year ago, and now let's go ahead and discuss a fifth-round pick here in 2020, and that's going to be Darnell Mooney. We discussed Mooney a couple times already on the podcast and learned a good deal from him and uh, learning more about every draft picked episode. But in short, in Mooney, you have a speedster wideout that has also an intriguing skill set to go along to couple with that speed. Uh, We talked about it early in the offseason, just how drastically the Bears needed to find speed at the position, and they found it in Darnell Mooney. Uh, Nick, I want to know what kind of expectations should we have for Mooney in his rookie year, and can the Bears use that speed to their advantage out of the gate, or will it take some time? I know there's another speedster that's coming up next that may impact your answer here, but just really curious about your thoughts on Darnell Mooney, who didn't have OTAs, didn't have a rookie minicamp, doesn't have any preseason games to even adjust to competition in the NFL. What are your thoughts as him entering his rookie year and maybe how it's evolved over the last few months? Yeah, just looking at rookie wide receivers, you know, Anthony Miller, Riley Ridley, and what they've done in their their first season, and then looking at Darnell Mooney, and again, using the, the phrase that crowded wide receiver room, I think we have to temper expectations a little bit. Yes, he has that 4.38.40 speed, which could definitely help him to see the field a little bit sooner. And he also, I got to talk to Tulane wide receivers coach Jeff Conway um, a couple of months ago now, and he said he wasn't just a speedster guy. He was a guy that lined up for the Tulane offense on the boundary to the field and at times in the slot. So that will also help him see the field sooner. But is a crowded wide receiver room, so I'm I'm tempering my expectations for Darnell, Darnell Mooney a little bit, but he I think his best attribute that speed could you could see him in those maybe four wide receiver sets or when obviously the Bears are in a third and long or second and long situation or just need to get big chunk plays. Darnell Mooney's a guy that I know I would want to have on the field because those defenses have to respect that speed, but. Because he is a rookie, just seeing how the Bears have handled rookies in the past. And look, Riley Ridley, like I said, wasn't activated until week 13. And it took an injury from Taylor Gabriel to, for him to finally get on the field. We have to just lower our expectations for Darnell Mooney. And there's another player on this in this Bears wide receiver room that I think is going to take away some of those opportunities and the, and, and those reps. And we'll definitely talk about him in a little bit. Nah, we're going to skip him just because you brought it up. No, I'm kidding. kidding. Forget about him. <laughs> right? It's over with. But no, with Mooney, you mentioned this is speed. I think he ran, what, a 4 3 8 40, uh, which really got him on the radar. Again, blazing fast kid, but we learned about it. You learned about it from the receivers coach. He just has so much more to the table. He's good at contested catches. He's good at his route running. He was just that. He was the guy uh, there for him, and hopefully – He doesn't need to be the guy here in Chicago, of course, but he can earn himself a really good role. And maybe it's not his rookie year, but I'd be remiss, Nick, if the Bears didn't give him a few deep opportunities throughout this season. I don't want a game feels about right at minimum. Just chuck it and see what happens. I mean, he's fast, and I think Mooney is a great last name for him. It's so fitting because quarterbacks have to launch that thing to the moon just to hit him (laughs) on the other side of the field. So for me... I'm excited. I, I've, this is someone that I wish we had a training camp for, Nick, because 
just like Marvin Hall last year, which I still think was a terrible decision to part ways with before we started that season because we needed that speed. I would love to see him just, uh, unfortunately, he'd have to probably beat our number one defense. But if he did, great, great things to come for this kid. But this is a player that I wish we had a training camp to really see where he was at, to really see how the Bears were utilizing him, how impactful that speed really can be and how it is, because uh, we're not going to know until the season. And like you said, his opportunity may be sparse, uh, especially early on, uh, just through the veteran that we need to talk about next. But is there anything else about Mooney that you wanted to bring up before camp? No, I, I just I it would be cool to see the, some training camp reports about Darnell Mooney. Like you were just saying, maybe beating one of those DBs and maybe it's not the first team defense, but second team, whoever it may be. But seeing those deep catches very similar um, to what we saw last year. But it, it would be it's good to hear about those things because Darnell Mooney, not this year, but he will be a factor in this offense maybe in year two. Maybe in year two. We have a while to get to there. But I still think, too, um, to your point, even if he does have a very limited capacity in this offense, he can still have an impact. I mean, he's that home run guy. He can have five catches all year, three of them for a touchdown, and he's averaging 25, 30 yards a catch. And honestly, for a rookie year of a guy with his speed, I'd live with that, especially with the other talent at this position. Uh, There's only so many footballs you can throw. Hopefully the Bears are on the field a bit more to get a little bit more opportunities. But... Uh, yeah, I would live with something, maybe not that exact stat line, but something similar to that. Just small touches, but high impact, high volume. That's what I would like to see out of Darnell Mooney in his rookie year. But all right, let's move on to the final player that we have here in the second tier of wideouts. And that's the free agent addition to the squad. And that's going to be Ted Ginn Jr. Again, he's coming off a uh, coming to Chicago after spending three years in New Orleans. And like Mooney, he brings speed to the table, which is great for the Chicago Bears. Uh, he did only average two catches for 26 yards per game last season and only three catches during the final four games of last year for the Saints. So unfortunately, his offensive production wasn't overly large. But Nick, do you believe that Ginn can make a bigger impact in Ch- Chicago's offense this year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's no Michael Thomas in Chicago, but there's a guy that's pretty you know, close in terms of targets with Allen Robinson. But I think Ted Ginn comes at a perfect time because the Bears were just looking for that Z receiver, which is exactly what Ted Ginn Jr. would come to play here in, in Chicago. Entering his 14th season now, I think Ted Ginn is just a guy that understands his understands like the nuances of running routes and how to adjust that that elite speed that he still does have and he may be 35 years old will but in 2019 cornerbacks gave Ginn 7 yards of cushion which was the fourth most in the league that was the same amount of cushion that cornerbacks gave Taylor Gabriel in 2018 so he plays a very similar role that someone that's going to take the top off of a defense And that's exactly what the Bears are missing last season when Taylor Gabriel went down. Yes, Riley Ridley was activated that Week 13 game against the Lions, but Riley Ridley doesn't have that elite speed that Taylor Gabriel has. And so I think bringing in Ted Ginn, you're bringing in a veteran who just understands what his role is on a team. And I think it could be a little bit expanded here in Chicago as opposed to New Orleans, even though obviously they've had some great quarterback play there. But... He, I think he just fills a need that the Bears obviously were desperate for, and now they have it, and they actually have two players that can really play that speedster role in Mooney and Tedkin Jr. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he it's very identical, and what I like about Ginn is just that with the COVID offseason, with him being a veteran, 
he should be able to pick up an offense. The Bears should be able to find ways to create plays around him. And it shouldn't be a big learning curve. He's seen it all. He's been in different systems. It really shouldn't be overly a big deal. Whereas Mooney, starting from scratch as a rookie, has such a steeper curve in front of him. And that's why I think Ted Ginn Jr. makes a lot of sense here uh, in Chicago in 2020. But is there anything else about Ted Ginn Jr. that gets you excited? Do you think he can be that Z option? The outside threat. I know last year's production wasn't great. I know he had that knee injury in 2018, and obviously knees take some time to heal. They take time to get comfortable, and he is up there in age, so that could also play a factor here. But how? What are your thoughts? Can he be that help to replace Taylor Gabriel? You talked about the cushion being very, very similar. So I think if defenses approach it about the same, it should help the Bears keep that same type of role if they want to use Ted Ginn Jr. for that. Yeah, so I think just looking at that Z receiver, it's probably going it's going to be a you know, a bunch of different players actually contributing to it. So it's not just going to be Ted Ginn. You're also going to see Riley Ridley, who's going to play that Z receiver. He doesn't have the speed for it, but that's a position that he's best accustomed to. Then, like you said, maybe we do see Darnell Mooney a couple times and this would be also a great position for Cordell Patterson to kind of get into the mix where you can, as a Z, you're still able to go in motion and go on these jet sweeps. All the, A lot of those guys have that speed to get around an edge. So I think it's just going to be a collaborative effort to kind of get the production out of that Z receiver. But another thing about Ted Ginn that I'm really excited for is what he's going to do for Darnell Mooney in his just pr- – in his, I guess, steps to becoming a pro because they do have a similar type of game. And if you're learning from a guy that's now in his 14th year in the league and obviously Darnell Mooney is a rookie, perfect guy to learn under just to learn, again, the nuances of how to use your elite speed and maximize the potential from it. So that's what I'm really excited for with Ted Ginn and really everybody that's going to just add and just give to that Z receiver position. Yeah, no, I believe Darnell Mooney was eight years old when Ted Ginn Jr. started playing in the NFL. So there's a lot of experience that can be bestowed upon him from Ted Ginn Jr. And I, I think everyone's been hitting about this in the chat, too. It's just a really good mentor for Darnell Mooney. We've talked about it in previous episodes as well, but it's also impactful because the Bears, Ted Ginn Jr., he's going to be more than likely, we can say it, a one and done. He's going to be in Chicago for a year, and then it's time to move on. And if he can do anything besides providing some value on the field, if he can help Mooney get into speed, get up to snuff, and really just teach him the ins and outs of... Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. What it's like to be this type of wide receiver in the NFL and just learn some of those subtle nuances, that's going to have so much more return on investment for the Bears in the future, just this one signing. And again, I believe this is a veteran minimum deal, so the money is so team-friendly for the Bears here. It's ridiculous. So much value both on, off the field from a production as well as the leadership standpoint. So really smart move, and I agree with you, Nick. Uh, It would be interesting to see how they can kind of deploy him here throughout 
really the season. I was going to say training camp, but we're not going to see it. So we'll find, we'll hear about it. Um, but our eyes definitely won't see it. Anything else about uh, Ted Ginn Jr. or the second tier guys? Uh, we just have a few players to hit on in tier three quickly, but I just want to make sure that you don't have any final thoughts before we move on. No, I, that wraps up for tier two at least, but we can definitely get into the tier three guys. All right. So tier three, we just have a handful of players here. I'm going to go through them one by one real quick, Nick. Uh, we have Thomas Ives. Obviously, he was on drafted free agent last year. He made waves in training camp in the preseason. So a lot of his uh, glory time has been cut here in 2020. Then you have uh, uh, Trevor Davis, or is it uh, is it is Trevor Davis, right? I think I missed the R in the name when I typed it, or is it Tevor? I want to say it's Trevor now that I'm reading it, but I will look that up just to All make right, sure. Thanks. I was like, I don't want to be wrong, yeah, but it is. Yeah. So I just forgot to type an R. Cool. Well, Google said it was spelled correctly, so thank you. Uh, so he is a four-year veteran. He's on his fourth team. Uh, most notably, he spent his time with Green Bay. Uh, so that's probably why uh, the name didn't come over correctly on my end. And then you have uh, Reggie Davis, another wide receiver from Georgia, um, but he's from an era just before Wims and Ridley. Uh, he has speed. He ran his 40s in the 4-3 range as well, but despite being in the league since 2017, he hasn't appeared in a game, and he's just spent most of his time bouncing around from different practice squads. And then you have Ahmad Wagner, an undrafted free agent out of Kentucky. Uh, he has a basketball background. Uh, not a lot of football production, um, but he is someone that does project as perhaps a red zone weapon type of a guy. And then you have Alex Wesley to wrap this up. Signed to the Bears practice squad towards the end of last year. Uh, he was a, an undrafted free agent a year ago out of Northern Colorado. So Nick, out of this group, I have a hard time thinking that any one of these players have a serious chance of making this roster. The odds are tremendously stacked against them to make this team. So I'm not even going to ask you, who do you think has the best chance of making the team? I'm going to just frame it as, who do you like as a practice squad candidate or two? Because unless you have someone that you think could make the team, then please tell me. I just didn't think you did. I didn't, and usually we're pretty aligned on that. Yeah, no, there's definitely a guy that I'm rooting for, and that's Ahmad Wagner. Where he played basketball was the University of Iowa. So I know I've seen him a couple of times on campus. We've ate at the same dining hall before. But he's an interesting because he didn't, he, he doesn't have a lot of experience playing football at six foot five, 234 pounds. He is a big guy. And maybe it's not actually a wide receiver that he ends up transitioning to make this work in the NFL or in football in general. Maybe he ends up becoming a tight end. But yeah, Mon Wagner, I saw the name and obviously he was signed months ago, but just seeing the name again, I'm like, wait, I've heard of this guy before. I know where he went. He went to Iowa and I know I've seen him before. So that's definitely a guy that I'm going to be rooting for, but for maybe practice squad, um, just a, uh, availability, I think maybe Thomas Ives could be a guy that mm -hmm. probably makes it. He made a lot of plays in training camp. All look, obviously with everything that's going on, COVID-19 is going to affect a lot of these guys. A lot of these guys are not going to have a preseason. The training camp, 10 guys are already cut. 80 people are coming into camp as opposed to the 90 that usually come in. So it really puts a lot of these guys at a disadvantage, but I would say Thomas Ives probably the likely candidate, maybe make it on a practice squad, but I'm definitely rooting for Ahmad Wagner. Now, those are the two guys on my list. Um, you talked about it for Wagner. Not a lot of experience. He had 15 catches in college. 
Um, but he did draw t- uh, 12 pass interference penalties. Uh, you mentioned his size, but I saw Cliff in the chat called him Ahmad Flagner, which I thought was pretty clever. Uh, so really kudos <laughs> to you there, Cliff. And uh, Ives I had making it too. I thought the Bears really liked him, and they used him a lot in preseason. They were heavily relying on him in training camp, running with the twos, running with the threes. And I, he just feels like one of those guys you want on your practice squad. He gives your starting defense good looks. He gives you quality reps. And that's the type of players that you're looking to develop, but you're also looking to help your team out in that regard. And I do believe Thomas Ives brings that to the table. So that's going to do it for tier three. That was short and sweet and to the point. But now let's get to the nitty gritty. Who the heck is making this team from the wide receiver room? It's it's tough. Uh, there's so many ways it can go. It depends on how many bodies they want to keep. So Nick, uh, I think we can agree on three rather easily. Uh with that being Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, Cordero Patterson. And now I think there's a few that we can agree easily, but now it does get a little murky. It can go a couple of different directions here. So how many total and who do you have? Yes. So I have six wide receivers making it. That seems to be the, the number for the past five years since, yeah, since Ryan Pace has been here that the bears have had six wide receivers on this roster. So Allen Robinson, uh, Ted Ginn Jr., Anthony Miller, Riley Ridley, Cordell Patterson, and then I have Darnell Mooney making the 53. So that would mean Javon Wims does not make it this time. And yeah, I think this is where it kind of the road comes to an end for, for Javon Wims' career here in Chicago. I, like we were talking about for him, he he doesn't excel at anything. He does things you know, pretty well. Obviously, he's picking up the offense a little bit, but if he's not at that X receiver, he's not a special teams guy as well. So the the role becomes very limited for Javon Wims. And you're going to put, I think you're going to put Darnell Mooney on your 53 man roster. You don't want anyone potentially taking him, but that's how I have it playing out. What are you kind of thinking? I'm torn, man. This is, I hate using this as the answer, but I do wish there was a preseason. I do wish there was a training camp because Wims, Ridley, they're battling. I mean, they went to the same school. They were teammates, but unfortunately, it's a dog eat dog world, and they have to fight. It. Hey, Bulldog, right? Georgia, you got it. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't think you would, um, but yeah, it's really going to be up in the air. To me, it's a coin toss between the two. Um, I like how you went with Ridley, and the reason why I would lean that way right now, you just look at the investment made. You have a fourth-round pick invested in Ridley. You only have a seventh-round invested in Javon Wims. That's kind of where it falls. Now, if you want to look at overall investment, the Ted Ginn Jr. veteran salary for the one-year minimum is probably your lowest investment. But as we both mentioned, we believe that there's going to be a lot of value there. So I don't imagine that being the direction they go. I think there's a reason why they brought him in. I believe they want him up as a part of this offense so it's tough. I think Wims is the odd man out. Uh, I thought about Mooney in a practice squad because expanded practice squad, more people to put on. Maybe it's a little less competitive in the poaching market. But do you really want to risk losing Darnell Mooney? Or do you want to risk losing a Riley Ridley if you put him on a practice squad? I don't think so. So that's yeah, really what it comes down up, to. The Bears moved up 23 spots to get Mooney. So you also got to factor that because Pace mm, needed yep, a guy. Yep. That has that speed. So moving up 23 spots, even though it is the fifth round, I think it shows you where the Bears have him pegged. And I don't know, you just can't have that risk 
of just putting him on the practice squad. And maybe, look, maybe a team doesn't need a fifth or sixth wide receiver, but I don't know if the Bears are even going to take that chance, especially having moving up to get him. I'll tell you what, I, I, yeah, I can say Javon Wims if I wanted to play devil's advocate. I'm just not there right now because, I'm again, I'm looking at the pen and paper, and I'm just looking where the assets are, and there's just a little bit more in Ridley, and it's, I think it's a little too early to give up on him. I don't, I, you know, oh, there's, yeah. you know, he just had a little bit of a, a learning curve. It was a crowded room last year, too, in a different way, but it was still relatively the same. I mean, you take out Ted Ginn Jr., you replace, uh, you put in Taylor Gabriel, and again, there were some other guys last year, like Emmanuel Hall, who was an undrafted free agent, all battling last year. There were a lot of guys here last year, too. So it's tough. And I think this is going to be one that does come out to production and training camp. Um, it could go either way. If Javon Wims shows the team like he is tr- continuing to excel and to grow and to develop, you can easily go with a Javon Wims. And you, maybe you take your chance stashing Ridley on the practice squad. Don't think it would work, but it's tough, Nick. So I think if you're just looking at investment made – you go with uh, Wims being the odd man out, uh, unfortunately, um, but that's kind of just the reality of it right now. So that's kind of where I sit too. All right. I feel sad saying that though, don't you? Like out of everyone that we went through this whole offseason with every position and like, oh, he's gone, he's gone, and this is who's making it. I do think Javon Wims is one of the hardest pills to swallow by saying, I don't think there's a spot for him on this team. Yeah, and I think the connection there is we saw him just ball out in the Hall of Fame game against the Ravens, remember? So it was like we saw first glance Javon yeah. Wims just do his thing, and we're like, oh, maybe this is a diamond-in-the-rough kind of pick for for Ryan Pace, and being a seventh-round draft pick, just you know, having some of the few plays that he's had over the, se- uh, over the two seasons, it was nice to see that from Javon Wims. But now just with where the roster's at, what the other guys can bring to the table – and just cutting it down to if it is six, if it's seven, then Javon Wims makes it. If it's seven wide receivers, Javon Wims is going to make it. But if it's just six, like what the Bears have done since Ryan Pace has been here, I think it just is his time and hopefully he gets an opportunity somewhere else. Oh, he will. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if he doesn't, you can stash him on the practice squad and then you're you're good either way. But he's going to get a chance somewhere else if he's not here in Chicago and yeah, you hit on it. It's tough. I mean, they could make a wrong decision by going away from Javon Williams. That's possible, too. It's just you won't know. But I'll just say I'll give kudos to Ryan Pace for putting himself in a position to make such a tough decision because that's mean that means he's doing his job and he's doing his job well because if it was so easy, like, oh, you, you got to keep your seventh rounder from a few years ago despite limited production, then you're not getting that much better. But the fact that it's such a tough call right now and he has to make a decision like this does mean he's doing his job well. And that's at least at this position. Uh, so that's a, a big testament to Ryan Pace there too. All right, Nick, let's do some over-under, some true and false confidence level, and a little bit more to wrap up this show. So I'm setting the over and under for six touchdowns for Allen Robinson. That's low. Uh, He had seven a year ago. I thought about just putting seven again, but I talked about it at the top. I don't think the targets will be as heavily reliant on Allen Robinson. He only had like those four touchdowns his first year here. Not saying I'm envisioning maybe a dip, but if he's getting less looks, maybe the bar gets set a little lower. So six is going to where I'm going to put the over-under here. Which way you lean in? You know, Allen Robinson is just such a darn good receiver. So I'm going over. He had seven last year. And I I think the big thing with me, I want to see more efficient throws to him. Efficient's getting touchdowns, that's for sure. So I'll put it at eight for Allen Robinson this season. Hey, that's what I have too. I have a big old eight next to mine. So I'm taking the over. 
uh, just for the same reasons you mentioned. Uh, for Anthony Miller, I'm sending the over-under at five touchdowns. Only two a year ago, he did that six, if I remember correctly, as a rookie. So setting his over-under at five, where are you at? I, look, I really like Anthony Miller. And if, <laughs> yeah, I really like I know Anthony where this Miller. is going. So, you know, if healthy, he's definitely capable of winning those one-on-one matchups in the slot. So I'll go over, and he'll match his rookie mark with six. Not that that's a bad indication for Anthony Miller, but he's still getting in the end zone, and it's a lot more than last season. Cool. I had over and six in my notes, too. Uh, maybe I should find some harder stuff, or maybe I should have two options. But that's okay. Yeah, six. I agree. I think he's going to find pay dirt a little bit more uh, last year. The Bears just really struggled in the red zone. And going back to the last podcast, having some tight ends that should be bigger red zone threats should open up Anthony Miller, just like he was open for his rookie year inside the 20 as well. Really dynamite down there. So I'm envisioning that kind of getting back on track. I'm going to set the over-under for 95 receptions for Allen Robinson. 98 last year, setting the over-under at 95. This I'll go under for the receptions here. Um, Maybe we'll peg it at around 85 to 88. Again, more efficient, though. I still think he's capable. He's obviously capable of getting the 95, those number of receptions. But it's going to be a little less this season because, like we were just talking about, there's a lot of weapons on this offense and – we get decent quarterback play, hopefully they'll use them. Okay. I have under as well, and I use 92. Uh, it's the birth year, and I thought, why not? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think it works, and it's a little under, so and I wouldn't mind him still getting in the 90s. I mean, especially if he does play in that contract year, hopefully that's not the case. But if he does, I want to see that production go up, or at least stay in the 90s. Uh, let's set the over under 250 receiving yards for Riley Ridley, and or Javon Wims. I don't know how to even frame this one, but 250 for if you have only one making the team, which he did, I guess that would be just Riley. Um, but if they're both here, then it would be combined. So have fun with this one. Yeah, so he had 69 yards all last season. He got activated week 13. And what was it? 250. 50. I'll say it's it's over. So we'll go we'll go 350. For Riley Ridley, because I, that's all I have out of the two making this team. So 350 yards there. Okay, I took the over on this one as well. Uh, when I did this one, I didn't even know how I was going to go. I had my notes for the who's making this team. I was, it can go this way or it can go that way. And uh, usually a lot of our conversations kind of help me make my decision. But for Riley Ridley, I'll go over. In my notes, I had 300, so I'll stick to it. So 300 will be the mark. True or false, Nick? Ted Ginn Jr. is going to have more catches than... Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm. In the order it was received, please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Cordero Patterson. True. We just don't know with Cordero Patterson where he's going to line up, what he's going to, what position he's actually going to be playing on a given, given play. So I'll go true. All right. I have true as well, uh, just because I'm envisioning a little bit of a bigger role there. Uh, true or false, the Bears will have at least, and I say at least, it could just be one Pro Bowl wide receiver this year. Look, if Allen Robinson doesn't get that contract extension, which I really think he will, 
he's going to ball out this season and he will be a pro bowler. So true. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously same. I I mean, he has, we know he's pro bowl level. It's just, it's the popularity contest and it's whether or not the bears have a good season or not. So he's not ultra popular outside of Chicago, outside of our market, uh, which is a shame because like you said, he's such a great guy, but uh, in terms of a talent level, true. And hopefully the bears are winning enough games to make it happen. So I'm going to go with the positive on that. And then one question I asked this, to you and Brandon last year, and I'm going to ask it to you again. You have the game on the line. Who are you going to throw the ball to? Oh, I mean, this is going to <laughs> Allen Robinson regardless. Um, look, we talked. I think you even said earlier, well, like even if it's double coverage down the field, you're going to give Allen Robinson a shot because he is that type of guy that comes down with the football and just with the body control, just how he's able to contort his body to bring down a catch in those hands that he has. I think one of the best catches that I think people just forget about happened in that London game. I think it was down the right sideline. Somehow he comes out with the ball, his defender in front of him and back of him, comes down, makes a catch. It's one of the better catches in the NFL. Of course, nobody hears about it because, again, it's a popularity contest, but definitely Allen Robinson because he is, last year he was the Bears offense, and hopefully that's not the case this year, but he is a damn good wide receiver. Absolutely. Uh, if I'm trying to remember correctly, who was it at the end of the game? Was it J.P. Holtz, your guy, who had the ball and just didn't lateral it to Allen Robinson to get that touchdown? Oh, man, they set it up so perfectly against the Packers. He just, no, it wasn't J.P. Holtz. It was, Hor- I think it was Hortz that I'm pretty it was my sure. guy. It was my it it was was one of the, guy. It was one of the H's. Yeah, he just uh, just didn't see who was to the right. The Bears set that up perfectly. They would have had to make a two-point conversion, I think, to tie it, but Allen Robinson was just, you Give know, shit, yelp. <laughs> Oh, man, that one hurts. It does hurt. It really does. But, Nick, uh, we've been talking about wide receivers. We've talked about how just jam-packed this unit is. And, obviously, when we kind of segue into the offensive shows from the defense, like, all right, watch our confidence levels take a dip. But after going through the exercise preparing for the wide receivers, I found myself a little bit more confident in this unit uh, than I maybe I thought I would have been a couple of weeks ago from the outside. But how about you? Where are you going to put your confidence meter? Yeah, I think just talking about it's realistically looking at the options here. The Bears do have options. That's that's the plus here. It's just quarterback play will dictate how much they can get out of these options that the Bears have. But you have, let's say you have a, a obviously you're gonna get you know what you're getting from Allen Robinson, a healthy Anthony Miller, and then the group of guys that just hit my mic there. Hopefully it didn't pop. Uh, the group of guys that will um you know just kind of fill in for that Z receiver. I like this group. I'm giving it an 8.8 in my confidence in this group to get production. Just the, It's going to be on the quarterbacks to get the most out of these guys. Okay. I'm sitting here at an 8 as well. I think this probably is the position group I feel the most confident in on the entire offense. Uh, obviously, you hit on it. I touched on it earlier. Just watching the show from a wider receiver perspective, just a lot of missed opportunities. And like you said, it all goes back to quarterback play. You have that true number one and A-Rob. You have a lot of de- talent in the depth of this position as well. Like, we don't even know who's going to make this team. Like, there are some tough cuts ahead. And this just shows the kind of talent level that's here. And there's a lot of potential uh, with this talent as well. And it's youthful. You have a lot of young guys. I know you have Ted Ginn Jr., who is like father time right now. But outside of that, you have a very young wide wide receiver room as well. And there's just enough skill at this position. Um, if all works out as intended, Matt Nagy should be able to run the offense that he wants to run. There's enough skill here to do it. Uh, there's a lot of varieties of skill set. You have the speed guys, you have the possession receivers, you have the Anthony Miller that can do it all. You have Allen Robinson who also can 
really do it all. Uh, so for <laughs> me, I'm sitting here at about an eight. Uh, that's just me being cautious. Uh, like you, I wanted to kind of inch it up towards maybe an eight and a half and nine, but I told myself, don't do it. Let's just do an eight. That's good enough for this offense right now, and they can definitely exceed some of these expectations. Um, but Nick, before we go, I forgot to put bold prediction in my notes for the wide receivers. So do you have one? I need to think of one in the spot. So I have to pull a you here. So hopefully you have one in your notes. I do have one, and I know I'm going to get a lot of crap for this one because, again, it's going to show, uh, I guess, my faith in this Bears wide receiver room, specifically in two players. But bold prediction. Don't know if it's going to happen, but it is possible. Bears, The Bears will have two 1,000-yard receivers for the first time since 2013, and that's an easy one. It's when Alshon Jeffrey, Brandon Marshall accomplished that. But... Look, Anthony Miller, like I said, he had 63% of his production in five games. You get decent quarterback play, and he's actually able to produce in more than five games, which he's definitely capable of, get more targets. We talked about all the missed opportunities. He could be that guy. He could be a 1,000-yard wide receiver, no doubt in my mind. It's health and if the opportunities are actually there for the quarterbacks to hit Anthony Miller. He's open. Just on the quarterbacks to get him there. And we know what we know what Allen Robinson is going to do. But I went really bold and the Bears just need an uptick in offense. Why not? I'm sure everyone would love to see this happen, but it, it is out there. Two one thousand yard receivers, Anthony Miller, Allen Robinson. All right. I like that one a lot. That's that is bold, but that's what we're here to do this section for. I'll go different. We had Darnell Mooney making this team because we didn't want him to sit on a practice squad. Didn't really feel like that would be a good opportunity for him and really for the Bears to put him in a bad spot to end up losing uh, someone that, they, like you said, traded up for, uh, invested a fifth-round pick, and uh, which the Bears didn't have a lot of draft capital to begin with. So you have to take that for into consideration as well. I'm going to say he's going to have five catches of 40-plus and four touchdowns as a rookie. Not only those five catches, but he'll have five that at least go for 40, and he'll have four that end up getting uh, across for some pay dirt for six points. So for me... I think that's pretty bold uh, for someone who's never even played a snap in the NFL. And it goes a little bit different uh, off of some of these top guys that definitely get a little bit more of the attention. So hopefully uh, that I'm over the moon on that one, and then we'll be in a pretty good spot. <laughs> Any final thoughts for wrap-up, Nick, besides my terrible puns? I'm sure people are like, just wrap it up now, guys. Just wrap it up. <laughs> hey, that's that's what you do there, Will, but no. I want to thank everyone for joining for this position preview, hanging out with me, hanging out with Nick, and dealing with Nick's microphone issues. I counted three pops throughout the episode today. Nick, I know you only knew of one, but I'm not going to tell you every time. But I'm going to wrap up this episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you're amongst the live chat faithful, it's always great seeing you. Or, of course, to the thousands of podcast listeners around the world, Nick and I, we really do appreciate uh, all of you taking the time to give, well, today's and every episode a listen. And if you liked it, please make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more Bears fans. And if you want to help out us as we cover the cost of the show and streaming the show uh, and our website hosting, uh, feel free to leave a small $5 donation via Venmo at the Chicago Audible or on PayPal. Just go to chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. We'll be back on Sunday as we wrap up our countdown at camp and we'll be previewing the Bears quarterback battle that is now without a preseason to conduct it, but still, it's an episode you don't want to miss. What should we expect from Trubisky and or Nick Foles? What growth must Trubisky display in camp to prove he can be the guy? 
And how about Nick Foles? What can he do to prove to coaches that he should be the starter despite no offseason with the team? And of course, the biggest question of the offseason, who's going to win the job? Uh, I've been waiting for this one. Use it for a grand finale on purpose. And uh, I know Nick and I are going to have a lot of good times uh, discussing this one here. Again, it's going to happen on Sunday, which... It makes sense as we're nearing August to have a show here on a Sunday. It feels like we're starting to get into real football season. So we'll have the answers to those questions and a whole much more next time. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.